0: And I'm Peter, your other co-host.
1: Back in the saddle. <laughs> it's been, been a back minute. in the
0: saddle again.
1: <laughs> it has been a while, but we are back, baby, and ready to talk about Caliban's War. Yeah. Uh, For, let's be clear. But,
0: this one was on me.
1: Yes. Like this is a hundred percent on me. I read the book like in advance, way before the deadline. CC crushed it. Conflict. I felt amazing. Now in my defense, <laughs> so powerful. <laughs>
0: CC, mute your phone. Wait, what? was that my phone? Oh shit, that was my phone. That was your phone. <laughs> I never have my phone on volume, but it was your text, I so I blame stop you. just not
1: crushing it. <laughs> no, it was well, my text of bad audio.
0: Those were some thick lines.
1: There were some very thick lines.
0: <laughs> All right. So anyway, in my defense, I read two books in the time CC read one,
1: because <laughs> uh, I went what? back
0: and did um, read *Leviathan Wakes* again. So I would have better context for Caliban's War.
1: Except that I still read Caliban's War and finished it like over two weeks before you. Okay, now. okay, so okay, okay, okay. I I would say you read one book in the time right. that it took me to read one. <laughs> well,
0: shit. He sees out here with claws. Anyway, <laughs> the know. point is, we're late. This is my bad, and we're gonna move on from it.
1: Yes. Are we gonna institute our new policy now, Peter, or are we save it to the end? Yeah,
0: let's do this. Okay, so. CC had the good idea of let unless Cece's just about to tell me someone else had the good idea, but you should just hush, take the credit. Um, nah, it's all me. <laughs> so CC had the idea that we are going to surprise the other person every month with what the new book is gonna be. Um, mm-hmm. so CC or I, well neither of us really at this point know what the book's gonna be. And <laughs> we're gonna <need> to <laughs> flip a coin to find out who's gonna start. And that person will have the remainder of the episode to figure out what book is gonna be. <laughs>
1: <laughs> TikTok, so whoever's <laughs> being more quiet.
0: <laughs> yeah, whoever doesn't talk that's a lot. For that. There's maybe some subtle typing that you've learned to recognize as our keyboard. Uh, <laughs> that's gonna be it. Anyway, CC heads or tails. Heads. Tails.
1: All right. So oh, I have about now. I had a spooky Spooktober pick for you.
0: I mean, <laughs> oof! We already did Frankenstein. <laughs> what more do you want? <laughs>
1: <laughs> way spookier but don't worry about it you'll find out next spooktober <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we'll do spookvember again i'll have to decide later <laughs> spookvember
0: okay all right all right so um, i'm gonna go right, so
1: peter peter's gonna think for a while and let's start the episode yeah and a fun change of
0: pace one of us is gonna think while we do this <laughs>
1: All right. Um, so I I actually found I did, I did not dislike Leviathan Wakes. I thought it was pretty good. It was pretty solid, but it didn't really grab me initially because it was just very grim, and like gritty. And I don't know if I just didn't like it at the time because I wasn't looking for that. But I ended up enjoying this book a lot more. It's possible that's because of Avasarala.
0: <laughs> I have a, I think it was because of Athasarala and Mung. Really. I think that's why you like this book more. Why Hmong? Um, because you relate to Hmong. <laughs> As a father. As a father, yes. Um, all the children that <laughs> you are the father of, you relate to Hmong. No, I think you yes. appreciated having someone actually look at the whole issue of the proto molecule and what was going on from a scientist's view.
1: I did like that, yeah. yeah I actually could've I could've could gone with more than that. But I enjoyed it, definitely.
0: I mean, yeah, it was, uh, talking about the Cascade Effect, it was very interesting.
1: Yeah, the Cascade was really interesting, and he's, right, like, very important in issues of ecology and botany and that sort of a thing, so he's very well-suited. He was a very well-characterized person. He's, like, kind of nerdy, kind of awkward, but, like, also a regular human. Like, just because he's a science genius doesn't mean he doesn't have normal human problems, like an ex-wife and a daughter he loves and, you know, is missing. Mm-hmm. He's very normal, very human, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, the characters in this book generally tend to be. Like, there are sometimes ones that don't seem superhuman. Like, I think the villains are kind of uh, caricatures a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. oh, everyone's trying to hold me back. I'm just a brilliant scientist. You're all jealous. I'm going to go make a lot of money and stuff like that. Like, what was the villain's name? Mendez? Is that right?
0: Do you mean the doctor?
1: Yeah. Um... Dr. Strickland? but like his real name yes
0: strickland was his fake name i don't remember his real name awkward
1: (laughs) you just finished this book
0: yeah he was like out of the way really early in this book though
1: well he came back at the end
0: that's fair but like barely
1: (laughs) briefly then he got you know a laser in the head so goodbye a laser oh so you know what I don't know. Something. Was it a laser? It? It, was just just, a no,
0: it was just like a gun. It was just like a gun.
1: It's just a No, it's just like a gun. It's a quantum gun, Peter. <laughs> it's a quantum sci-fi. gun.
0: Um Wait, Cece, sidebar. Ready go. I was at So I, I I've never watched Stranger Things.
1: Um Okay. But Maria,
0: Maria and I Friday night went to a Stranger Things themed 21-plus science at night event at that the Carnegie fun. Science Center. Um, so not only did I drink a Demogorgon... Wait, Demi- Demogorgon? That's probably it. Demogorgon-themed drink <laughs> from the bar. But we also went to a The Science of, of Stranger Things session. At which point they started talking about how whenever someone wants to talk some bullshit in that relates to science, they say shit like string theory... And, like, quantum <laughs> effects. I was like, yes!
1: I'm gonna be honest, I did not know that uh, Stranger Things even attempted to explain itself. I kind of thought it was one of those more, like, fantastical sci-fis.
0: Um, my understanding is that it does a tiny bit, but it is a little more fantastical. But the, the I'm not sure how much they actually talk about but apparently the answer is all electromagnet- electromagnetism. So
1: Interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what did I've been this, told. Uh,
1: did this session spike your interest?
0: Um, I think I'm going to give it a shot, but I'm going to watch it at daylight. Because I'm a coward.
1: Because <laughs> you're a baby.
0: <laughs> I'm a big baby.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. I probably have to watch it this fall, too. I've been promising people for years. <laughs> like, you <laughs> have a sci-fi podcast. Years. What's wrong with you? <laughs> you
0: know, like, it's not really sci-fi. It's barely sci-fi. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Listeners, start lobbying Peter if you want to pick Stranger Things for next one.
0: <laughs> no, absolutely not.
1: <laughs> I have the opposite. Of a, it I have a
0: very not spooky song, uh, book picked, actually.
1: It was bad enough when I made you read Annihilation.
0: Oh God, that was so spooky. <laughs> was it the follow-up to Annihilation? Was that your plan?
1: <laughs> no, that was not my plan. You'll never know my plan. but anyway back to caliban's war
0: right 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 of course
1: peter overall impressions and Um, you had just read the former book so yes bring that in
0: so one thing i really liked about caliban's war was what seemed like so many disparate storylines consolidated into two primary ones
1: very satisfyingly i would say
0: yeah no i wasn't disappointed i didn't feel like cut off from the like they sound like they eliminated storylines and then just didn't talk about them. Like, no, they. Right. he really wove them into the overarching story, and I thought the way that Corey finished the first book was very excellent, like bringing all these disparate storylines together, and then Mm -hmm. set a very solid foundation for this second book that was a great continuation of really two primary storylines. Right. What I really liked about this was that, much in the same way when Miller and Holden combined and joined teams in the first one, we got multiple viewpoints of one of the storylines. But it, it was more united as one storyline this time, I think.
1: Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Do you mean everything going on on Ganymede?
0: Well, I mean um, Bobby and Avasarla, mostly. Mm,
1: oh, Bobby and Avasarla, dream team.
0: Like, yeah, once they team up and they become, like, I don't even know. Like, they, they form their tribe.
1: <laughs> they become a squad.
0: They, they squad up. Um, Bobby <laughs> finds her new squad and is Avasarola a cranky old woman? And it's
1: an old, an old Indian lady.
0: <laughs> really in all the in the best way possible she finds a new squad.
1: <laughs> best possible new squad.
0: Um, but no, I, th- I think once we got there and like we got multiple viewpoints of essentially the same story it was excellent. And then yeah. Mung and Hilden did that too but I think Mung he got way less face time or I guess reader time than Miller did in the last book.
1: That's true. Yeah, and I think that also to continue that point, the overarching story of what um, oh god what's the evil corporation?
0: Progen or Mao or Mao super- Quick?
1: Mao Mao um, Mao Quick. So you see, sort of like the impact of that, and like the human side of like the super soldiers and everything you see that in Bobby and you see that in Mung and then you see the big picture thing coming from both Holden and Avasarla. So like you have the far flung but like human versus big picture side of things out there with Holden and Mung and then back on Earth you see the human and the big picture side of things with those two and like when they all come together that's when you have sort of all of the necessary knowledge to attack this problem where like uh, Sarla knows what the what the maneuvering is that's going on. Uh, Holden has like this understanding of Mao and of protogen and that whole end of things. And then Meng has the scientific aspect as well as like the knowledge of his daughter and what her circumstances were that can sort of lead him to the answers of what actually happened. And then Bobby comes in and she's like, "Well, this is what it looked like. I saw it do this and this." And it was very much a cool thing seeing them all come together at the end where you could get all your main questions answered. Not enough questions, obviously, for things to be okay, but enough for them to address the current problems, which is really all you get to do in this universe. Because there's nothing you can do about Venus, which is the scariest part of this book.
0: <laughs> right. That's Venus um, just is. Cece, so you, you just brought some like real liter- literature analyst-level knowledge to this.
1: Oh, I'm so pleased you think so.
0: Yeah, like some some really easy. It's a technical. That was a uh, an approach that we have not taken, which is the educated one. So <laughs> you flatter job. me. Good
1: job. <laughs> oh, thanks. Uh, so, should we end the episode? Yeah, we're done, and we're
0: also the podcast over. We peaked. So, <laughs> never goodbye. mind about yeah.
1: next month. No spooked
0: over. <laughs> no, no spooked over. Um, no, that's a that's a great point, and it the 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 challenge between the grand scheme and the little guy is an ongoing theme with this series that we've seen it's yeah. intru- when you said that holden is like the great the big picture of the outer planets kind of viewpoint i'm just kind of mm-hmm. thinking about avasarola's reaction to that
1: <laughs> she thinks he's such an idiot yeah she thinks in, th- in many ways she's correct
0: in many ways she's correct i mean sure is he an idealist yeah he's an idealist uh, yeah. is he naive to his for sure
1: to his and others peril often yes of course (laughs) yeah
0: exactly and i get where she's coming from Mm -hmm. but it's that kind of idealism that is really necessary in a world that's as dark and as desperate as the world of the expanse right i mean it's just it's dark world that shit happens all the time
1: yeah it's not a very optimistic picture of the future at all
0: all right, so on... it's
1: like humans, humans are shitty, and also there's this existential threat, which that we're is just also shitty, because we can't do anything about it, and so we're just going at each other's throats. I mean, it's just it's it's it always feels like a metaphor.
0: <laughs> I mean, really though, and there you know what the the part that I didn't like about this book is that I saw where the Admiralty and where oh fuck what was his name. Um, oh
1: the uh bad guy
0: Wen. 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 no new in um
1: Nguyen, yeah
0: was the admiral i was thinking about the politician bad guy though um
1: oh uh i'll think about it really bad
0: there's not a really good character i know i realize i usually have this this omnipotent knowledge of the characters but there's no good character lists up right now i can't find any so they all
1: have very unique names except for Nguyen. that's kind of a normal name
0: yeah new pretty standard um cut cut no that's not it that's soren what aaron wright
1: (laughs) aaron wright sadavir that's what i was trying to get out
0: sadavir aaron Aaron wright i knew there was an s word yeah cool 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 um so aaron wright (laughs) Wright.
1: you saw where aaron wright was coming from
0: i saw i the part of me gets that because uh if you have this threat of mars or not mars of venus standing behind you I mean, mm-hmm. Earth is literally, like, I realize, I realize orbits don't work that way, but Earth is, mm-hmm. in a way, like, w- trying to figure out who to face, Mars or Venus, because the other one gets a perfect shot at its back.
1: That's true. It's kind of a, a war on two fronts situation. Yeah.
0: And once again, I do realize that orbits don't work that way. Um,
1: yes. <laughs> don't at me.
0: Right. I get it. Actually, do at me. I don't believe any of you exist. <laughs>
1: Uh, We're pretty sure all our downloads are bots at this point.
0: (laughs) Oh, God. Um, (laughs) But anyway, so I, I get that viewpoint a little bit. Because you want Earth to survive, and you also want humanity to survive. Yes. For those two, a certain mind would see the only way to get there is to strike first at Mars, remove them from the playing board... And then go after Venus. Obviously, but that's the mind that
1: has just zero faith in diplomacy. Like, zero faith that humanity can unite against a shared threat. You're right. Because that's what you really need, is, like, all of the strength of Earth and its, like, steadiness. And all of the courage and exploratory spirit of Mars. And all of, like, the rough and tumbleness of the belt. All working together to try to solve this unsolvable problem of Venus. But instead, Earth and Mars both want to just crush everything, consolidate power, and bring everyone onto their team, rather than acknowledging that multiple different teams with different strengths will have a better chance of solving this.
0: I mean, you're right. they
1: working together willingly, not under duress, which is what it would be in the case of Conquest.
0: But it hit me historically. Humanity isn't exactly great at coming together to face existential threats no <laughs>
1: so no. no, if you're we're going
0: not. if you're going by our success rate I get I mean I'm mostly playing devil's advocate here I don't want to see a, yeah. a solar system destroy itself in the end of humanity because we're too pig-headed but I mean the fact of the matter <laughs> is historically speaking we never do it we never team up to face a threat that's hitting most of society or all of society
1: you know what i'm realizing Mm -hmm. (laughs) this book is setting up a universe where the mormons get out and then the solar system destroys itself and the mormons are the only humans left
0: see uh cc oh (laughs) cc
1: what do you know something
0: i do apparently i assumed you did uh we'll talk later okay anyway i've
1: only read these two books
0: oh you bought the third one
1: i bought the third one i haven't read it yet
0: I need to start contributing to this. I, I don't job. I don't wanna
1: corrupt. I know you have a job, not you freeloader.
0: <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm slowly taking myself off everything else. <laughs> Yours is last. <laughs> um But anyway. But anyway, um you're right though, that's pretty funny. Assuming that they got their ship back, which we don't know.
1: Yeah, which has not happened yet, but given enough time, they'll maybe.
0: go they'll speed up to it and catch it, and then they'll go sail away into space. Yes. See you fuckers.
1: (laughs) Bye, we outie. This sucks. But, why
0: would, so if you want to go that way though, what, um, what do we, what makes us think the proto molecule is awaiting in every solar system within easy reach of Earth?
1: Uh, wait, what are you saying? What's to say that it's not?
0: Yeah. I mean, think about it. If you're (laughs) an alien entity, and you're flinging this biological super weapon at, stars in your sky you're either doing one of two things you're slowly working your way out and sending a weapon to every single star in your region or like from you out or you're sending it to systems that have uh, any chance of developing life so any planets within the Goldilocks zone any weird anomalies that may result in liquid water under the surface like the moons out in the outer planets
1: Right.
0: So anywhere that the Mormons go that they could potentially put down roots for the new new home of human, excuse me, the new home of human civilization is gonna have the proto molecule in it.
1: Interesting. I mean, maybe, but not necessarily. We oh. don't know how many proto molecules were launched, you know?
0: Well, okay, the so well, we alternative know. is they randomly flung them out. Like where the that generation ship would go isn't very That's far a bad from Earth.
1: Statistic. <laughs> What? It's just randomly flinging them out is not a good plan.
0: No, it's not. So, because well, your
1: likelihood of hitting a solar system, let alone a planet... Well, oh,
0: I meant random solar systems. It. I didn't mean just, like, into the
1: void. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> That's a bad way to play this game.
0: I mean, eventually, <laughs> yes. you're gonna hit it. <laughs>
1: uh, or, yeah, I guess or, if the universe is infinite, I don't
0: know. <laughs> well, technically, it's not infinite, but you know what I mean. Or something, you'll catch it. Eventually, you'd hit something. But I'm assuming that they aim this... Yeah, I'm assuming they aimed at stars. Yes. Yeah, because if they did that statistically, most of their weapons would end up in black holes.
1: Right, well, I mean, Phoebe was not a good place for it to land. I I forget, wasn't there an explanation for, like, why it would have ended up on Phoebe?
0: Phoebe was the weapon.
1: Oh, you're right. Oh, it just got caught by Jupiter, right? Yeah, it
0: got caught in Jupiter's gravity well.
1: Oh, that's right. Okay.
0: Yeah, and Jupiter just yes. did what it's been doing for hundreds of years. Earth, I'm sorry, I meant billion, millions of years. <laughs> you know, for like the last sorry, couple hundred millions. years. I was in the wrong order of magnitude, but you know what I mean. Like I have doing... millions
1: of dollars in my bank account. Wait, I mean hundreds. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I meant ten. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so it captured a thing that was going to hit Earth, potentially.
1: Yes. Thanks,
0: and, Jupiter. And, and it did something. Yeah, a big dad of the uh, solar system right there.
1: That's true. That's why he's named after the king of the gods.
0: That's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. Anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't know. And I think that it's very likely that the Mormons would just run into other weapons.
1: Yeah, you're right. I think it's a possibility. But also, it, we had to, like, find Phoebe and unleash this thing, you know? And so, A, I have to wonder if... If that is the case, if there's several more weapons that are in our sort of stellar neighbors, would they be within communication range of the protomolecule of the Sol system? Because it seems pretty clear from this book that they have, like, instantaneous communication and they spread adaptations, like hive mind style, basically, instantaneously across the solar system.
0: Now, that's interesting. I'm wondering if it requires a certain level of complexity. Like did Yeah, maybe protomolecule... that was a developed
1: trait of our solar system's proto molecule.
0: No, I don't think it's that because it's very clear that there's a tr- there is a branch in the evolution. I think that one possible purpose of this proto molecule is to spread spread rather a not necessarily instantaneous depending on where you are, but a very advanced communications network.
1: Hmm.
0: So, if you are the the aliens who who the, the creators of this proto-molecule and you flung it's like it's like if you just dropped off a ton of different radios in like the- the- in the, the cradle of humanity- like in Mesopotamia when humanity was first coming out of <laughs> like barking fire, right? You have all these different radios out there that now can be used- you can use to communicate instantaneously if you come across one. But um hmm. You know, maybe the radio fell on a person or something. I don't know. The analogy isn't great, <laughs> but that's my—that's one of my theories.
1: But they're—they're nuclear. They have radioactive—radioactivity, uh, so they're just killing Mesopotamians. Yeah, <laughs> they're bad radios, very bad radios.
0: <laughs> very bad radios. They're fine for the you, but they're bad radios for everyone else.
1: Um,
0: but yeah, so strong,
1: what... strong analogy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so part of my theory is that a, um. By the way, all these theories—I'm—I I'm, have more theories since I started reading the third book, but I'm not saying any of them. I'm only thinking. See, this is of,
1: why I didn't start the third book. <laughs> yeah, I know.
0: I'm only like a chapter. I'm only describing things or theories I have that pre-existed in me reading, the, starting the third book. Okay. Um. So, and continue. So, yeah, I think A, the pro is to spread a communications network.
1: That makes um, sense. It makes and, sense that that would be one of its like primary objectives. Right,
0: and it requires a certain level of complexity or a certain amount of biomass to make this co- more complex thing. And that's why maybe the individual protomolecules, because like, I'm assuming there's a base form that was frozen to Phoebe, um, why those would not be able to do it, but say Venus can't, or even the super soldiers can
1: So, I don't know if this would uh, put you in an uncomfortable position, having started the third book, but, like, (laughs) do you see the protomolecule as intelligent? As, like, a a force with agency? Um. Or is it, like, a a virus? Like, just doing what its mechanisms were built to do?
0: I think the protomolecule started as, like, a virus. But I think (laughs) when it assimilated... These more complex beings, these I mean, humans, right? It, it's we've already seen evidence of human consciousness transcending, transformation to the protomolecule. Right. And I think that the protomolecule has met something that was never built to handle, and it's adapting to it, like any virus, any good virus at least would. But That's true. its adaptation is something wholly unexpected by its creators.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting theory. I mean, it does seem implied, it does seem implied by both, um, the whole thing at the end of the first book where like Julie was, felt that she was piloting her, 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 uh, race Razorback. Piness. Her, yeah, her Razorback. Um, and then at the end of this book, where you see Miller pop back, which I could see why you would start this next book textbook right away, because that was quite a cliffhanger. Um, <laughs> there, there seems to be an intelligence implied, right? That like, if Miller's there, he must be there to explain something or represent something to hold in. And I imagine the question that follows is Is this Miller or is this the proto molecule using Miller as a shell to manipulate Holden or just even to speak to Holden and communicate with him directly?
0: Yeah, but, I mean, that's a good point. Oh, I think that most likely it's just a, it's a conglomeration of the two.
1: Where you don't really know what the line is. Where you're like, Are you Miller? Are you the proto molecule? I guess you're both. But I mean, like, are you representing humanity's interests or the protomolecules above all?
0: You're right. Imagine if it could, I think of it this way, imagine if a human went to heaven. Like as a person. Like got raptured hmm. up, went to heaven, experienced heaven for a day, and then came back down. Like that person would be fundamentally different than anyone else that's ever lived. And I think that exposure to that much raw energy would change the person dramatically and I think that's kind of comparable to how Miller or um fuck Julie? Julie, thank you to Miller or Julie would would be if they were to take on any physical form separate from the protomolecule or be projected from the protomolecule
1: yeah I think that makes sense I don't know. I'm very curious to see where it goes from here. But so speaking of Miller, Miller's kind of like a specter over this book, even before he actually comes back at the end. And I thought it was really interesting, the whole Holden becomes Miller thing, because I never got the feeling in the first book that Holden liked Miller much, or even really thought well of him, you know?
0: I don't think he did. I think Holden really his experience with miller first of all is after miller died and gave him his life up to save humanity really Mm -hmm. i think that made holden want to almost romanticize miller
1: that's Um, interesting sort of like an idolization
0: i mean yeah who's an idealist in this book if not holden
1: that's true yeah
0: and i think that
1: and even with people who don't die heroically, it's really easy, easy to only remember the good things about them and to not dwell on their faults.
0: Great. Right. I mean, think about any like, funeral oh, you've ever been to for someone that you didn't like very much. <laughs>
1: yeah. Nobody ever talks bad about them. It's always exactly. about all, this, all the great things they brought into the world and none of the the bad things. Yeah. so why we need Speakers for the Dead. Peter. I was literally
0: about to say this.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my God. I love Ender's Game. I love Speakers so for the good. Dead. Anyway, <laughs> Dude, we can talk. about this like how this book is for Speaker for the Dead. Um, <laughs> no, so the... I also think that uh, there is a part of Holden that's lost its innocent naivete. Hmm. Like, he's seen a lot of darkness. Like, a lot that's of darkness.
1: That's true.
0: I mean, more than anyone except for his crewmates. And even then, he was on series.
1: Yeah, so I would say more than anyone.
0: Yeah, more step. than anyone Holden's seen darkness. And I think that right. has definitely deeply impacted him. And it's yeah. not unrealistic to make him go, well, Miller always knew it needed to be done, and he was making the hard choices to protect everyone else.
1: Well, and there was that moment at the end of Leviathan Wakes that Miller killed the head scientists of Eros... And Holden was, like, so angry with him, like, now he'll never see justice, blah, 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 blah. And Miller's like, no, he would have gotten away with it. And so maybe, like, that moment is what Holden has internalized, where he's like, like, the system is too broken right now. Like, people are not going to be brought to justice if they're powerful enough, if they're convincing enough. And so, like, my job for Fred, for Fred Johnson and the OPA, is to just like wipe the evil out like just erase it because i don't have faith in justice anymore
0: right i mean that's what he was doing like he was hunting down pirates for a year
1: yeah i lost to mess you up
0: yeah and then you notice that in the beginning of the book when he's like all right this is another pirate he's actually like i'm gonna try something different and calls on them to surrender so that means that (laughs) In every other case he just fired a torpedo from a much from a warship. That's not a fair fight. Like it's the really rest of not. It's a Martian warship. It's not oh, a big one, but it will absolutely wipe the floor with anything a pirate can put together. Right. And so he's essentially just going around and shooting people when they try to come out with spears. Right. And has I mean honestly he has no issues with it, but really does it willingly. No it's twisting his arm.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: So I think um, that whole experience, you're right, probably started a change in him that he wasn't really prepared for or really aware of until Naomi broke up with him.
1: Yeah. Well, it seems like she was kind of warning him for a while and he just sort of didn't... didn't expect things to fall apart for him for some reason. He was just so wrapped up in his own thing He wasn't really thinking about his crewmates and the way that they were feeling about, you know, their jobs and everything. And obviously his girlfriend and, like, what she thought. And despite the fact that he loved her and respected her, he was not listening to her.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that's, I think, a... I I think it's a lot of times in these books we run into, like, these very idyllic things. Like these, oh, the perfect relationship with the hero and shit. And, like... Mm -hmm. Everyone listens to people, and the only time something bad like this happens is when they don't talk. But Naomi's sitting there telling him, hey, listen, you keep this up, bad things are going to happen with us. And he's like, yeah, no, no, it's fine. You're going down a dark path. I'm like, not following. I don't feel
1: like I know you anymore. Yeah, I'm not going with you, basically. And gave him a lot of warnings, and he just didn't listen. And honestly, like, that can be a really real thing. Like, in a relationship that's otherwise good, if the one person is so wrapped yeah. up in their own mind and in their own stuff and isn't listening to their partner... And it doesn't have to come from a place of, like, disdain. It's not because they don't care about their partner. They're just not able to get out of their own head. Then things fall apart.
0: Yeah. and So it's actually,
1: it's a really realistic depiction of a relationship.
0: That's what I love about Corey's writing so much.
1: Mm.
0: He does this. Yeah, I agree. He's very realistic. He's so realistic with how people work with each other. Like, I don't know how realistic the proto molecule is and shit like that. But he definitely has a it deep understanding of yeah, it's science fiction. As long as it's close enough to what could be theoretically true, then we're fine.
1: Plus, the horror of the protomolecule is in its incomprehensibility. It's I mean, you're so right. alien that we're not equipped to understand it. So yeah, and that's great for an author, because you don't really have to explain it. <laughs>
0: right. And that's the real fear of people, right? The idea yeah, that something will come along that we just can't understand. Right. Like, so far beyond us. Like, if you look at the Halo series, like, the Covenant were ahead of us, sure, but, like, the same fundamental, our technology was the same fundamental basis. Yeah. They were just better at it.
1: Yeah, um, definitely.
0: Or they were better at copying other sh- people that were better at it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um,
1: what, what book was it that we were talking about that, the um, the fact that, like, we always assume in science fiction that being alien means, like, acting weird, but you're still acting weird, like, in a human way. You know what I mean? That oh alienness what? is supposed to be incomprehensible
0: oh I bet it was um children of time
1: I don't think it was but yeah that is an example of it
0: I mean yeah this is alien true alienness like a thumb that uh, uh, that was a species that completely thought differently than us because but, sorry
1: I was just gonna say it's interesting because even that yes. Yes, they thought very differently from us. They have a different structure and everything. But even then, they're still from our evolutionary chain. So if anything, that's about as close as any alien-like could possibly be to us, realistically.
0: Yeah, and even and they were still so different.
1: And they're still so different. And that's within our own evolutionary tree. We are cousins.
0: Yeah. And I, I like to... You know, one of the thoughts I, I had about this just now is that every... Like, basically, every example of aliens that we have, or we, especially that we've covered, are essentially aliens. They've all been evolved. Mm-hmm. Right? They all, at some point, had to re- have certain conditions aligned and they evolved on their planet. The protomolecule molecule right. is 100% artificial.
1: That's true. That's Probably. Point. Seems I mean, like
0: it. Yeah, it's, it's almost definitely. It is, it 100%. is at
1: least engineered. Yes. It might be engineered from a not like a natural base, but it is no longer natural, I would say. What if the
0: aliens that created the protomolecule didn't create the protomolecule? They're just the protomolecule.
1: That's interesting.
0: Like, the protomolecule it evolved on their planet, and they're just like, yeah, let's get more of us going. <laughs>
1: Oh my god, Peter, what, what What if it's Children of Time? <laughs>
0: they're, like, they're back.
1: <laughs> they're, they're like, they're seeding habitable planets to see how they evolve on different, uh, in different conditions. Which is basically what the, what Kern was doing in Children of Time. That's true. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. It's aliens being Avrana Kern.
0: I mean, Avrana Kern is basically an alien. Anyway. Uh, she basically is. <laughs>
1: that, that's neither here nor there.
0: Right. So, anyway, I think that that's part of the reason why the proto-molecule is so strange, is that we are used to studying things that evolved. Things that probably have a natural, fundamental basis that we can look between things. but And
1: context.
0: Right. But we have, the sci- or the scientists in this universe have no idea where it came from, what conditions it was born in, and what its actual purpose is, so they have no basis to study it from.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We but, have no context, no history, no background. We only know what it's done with us, and what who it's are doing not currently. its
0: intended target.
1: Right. Like yes, <laughs> no. Knowing that we are not what it was expecting to encounter, and it's sort of making the best of a bad situation, basically. Yeah.
0: I do it's wonder really why they didn't, or if they did, and what the results were, just feed it a lot of bacteria.
1: Uh, you mean protogen? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Like, that
0: seems like a better solution. Just feed it, like,
1: tons of <laughs> then bacteria. Than just going immediately to its use as a weapon?
0: Yeah, going straight to genocide.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was not great.
0: Anyway... That's a good
1: point, though. I, I would <laughs> hope so, but maybe not. <laughs> maybe it not. It doesn't seem... I, I forget if it's clear, but it, I never got the impression that the discovery of the protomolecule and the experiment on Eros were that far apart in time. Like, I would say they all happened within a year, but I could be misunderstanding it.
0: I would bet it was more than a year, because Protogen was doing their shit with prepping er- Ceres, or Eros, wait, Eros. Like, immediately. I mean, cause What do you mean? think about the time it would have taken to wire a whole space station for super, for observation
1: that's true yeah that would have been a lot
0: and that means they would and even if like it take because that would probably take you know several months to a year they would have had to make the decision immediately hey we're gonna go infect the station with millions of people on it
1: and it's gonna be this station and we're doing it
0: yeah in that's June. a June. <laughs> right so exactly okay here's the timeline. let's go um
1: Companies don't work that fast.
0: I don't. Exactly. Well, it's a company. That's not a government. Maybe. But anyway. (laughs) True, true. I think that it's unlikely that it was less than a year, but I think it's very likely it was like maybe three years.
1: Mm. Yeah. Not not super long.
0: It wasn't 20 years. Like, let's be clear.
1: Yes. I agree with that. I would say definitely within five years.
0: I agree with that. Anyway, but um
1: so so to the idea of the protomolecule you use as a weapon, it is so mind bogglingly stupid <laughs> to do that. And I'm just curious if you think that it's realistic that our leaders could be that idiotic and that short-sighted. Yes. Damn it. <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't say that.
0: Now here's my argument. <laughs> Think of the atom bomb. I was afraid
1: that was the case.
0: Right. The atom bomb was a terrifyingly powerful weapon. So much more powerful than anything that had ever been conceived of. Right. Okay. Now, why did we drop the bomb?
1: To end the war? Right.
0: Right. But specifically Because Japan
1: would not surrender when we demanded it?
0: Right. The numbers were run on an invasion of Japan and it was decided that the American casualties, which would be in the millions, were simply too high. (coughs) Right. So we dropped the bomb to force a surrender. Now scale that up. We're talking about like a like it's like a million I think it was like a like a million and a half American casualties were expected. Right. Imagine how many more casualties would be involved if the U.N. landed and took Mars on the ground. Or just took Mars in space and won a space war with them, which is unlikely in the first place. It's orders of magnitude more.
1: But it's like bioweapons, Peter. I mean, it is a bioweapon. But, like, we have agreed as a world, and obviously there are some people who don't really respect this, but... Most of the powerful sovereign nations on Earth have agreed. We're not going there because you can't control pathogens. You release them and you can like put in place safeguards to try to prevent it from spreading and getting back to you or your allies, but you can't really stop it. It's going to do what it's going to do once it's out there. And like that's completely aside from the human rights aspect of it, attacking civilians, all of that. Like, all of that aside, the reason that everyone got on board with, no, we're not going to play that game, is because it is too hard to control. With right. With the protomolecule, you're doing that, but with the added element that you're not only not able to control it, you're actually handing over the biomass of a planet, the technology of a planet, all the information of a planet, to your actual true enemy. Because, like, I don't think that, that Mung is the only one who would have noticed the communication. Like, everyone saw that when that monster, quote-unquote, attacked on Ganymede, Venus was acting up. So, like, it seems clear that there's a connection across the solar system. Even in this, like, blinded-by-fear world that Corey has created... I just, I don't want to believe that anybody would forget what the real enemy is. You can get distracted by Mars and being like, well, I've got to consolidate power, you know, for the good of humanity. Like, you can have that sort of misguided thing. But why on earth would you do it in such a way that gives Mars, not to you, but to your enemy? It doesn't take it off the board. It hands it over.
0: I mean, you're right. And don't get me wrong, it's dumb. But yes. if you think about the fundamental argument against, uh, path- against biological warfare, and let's be mm-hmm. realistic, the politicians weren't going, yeah, the real difference is the moral, the human rights aspect. Right. I mean, we are a society who has dropped nuclear weapons and threatened <laughs> it regularly. Okay. That's, I mean, a step in some ways, it is worse than, and in some ways, it's better than, but regardless, it's on par with biological warfare. Sure, yeah. But imagine if you could take... <clears throat> excuse me. Um, imagine if you could take the threat of any repercussion against yourself from your weapon off the table in biological warfare. Then do you think, look, if, if kill switches were real... Do you think that so many nations would have been so ready and so actually, and actually have followed through with a ban on biological warfare?
1: On paper, sure, but they probably would have researched it. Right. Like, on the sneak.
0: They would have signed their treaties, they would have made, shook their hands, they would have made their deals, but they would have done it. Right. I see that is the same thing going on here, because essentially, for so people that haven't been paying attention and aren't, you know, like walking around with Holden, like the reader is. <laughs> It's hard to even imagine the idea that something can survive in space. So you'd think that dropping this proto-molecule and giving over Mars to, which you still see as a mindless virus trying to just accumulate biomass, is harmless because how is it going to get to Earth? Hmm. That's, while short-sighted, you're right, that the fact that there's the gulf of space between Earth and Mars takes away the main argument for politicians to not employ biological warfare.
1: That's interesting.
0: And it's depressing as shit.
1: And I hate it. <laughs> and I hate
0: it so much.
1: It's interesting and I hate it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's it's grim. These books are grim, Peter.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, these books are these books paint a very grim, but I fear, not unrealistic, future.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's just such a well executed sense of dread. The whole book. That's
0: true. It's so good.
1: <laughs> the whole series really took it's so far. It's thrilling. You're just, your gut is twisted when you're reading it. It is hard to get through in some ways because you're like so freaked out. But you also have to read it because you need to know what happens. <laughs> you're right.
0: It's a great I love this book. <laughs>
1: a very good book
0: cc have you watched the series yet
1: i started it yeah i'm in season how, one still how is it it's good have you not watched it
0: no oh i watched like half of the first I season
1: i love the actor who plays holden but i also feel like holden's supposed to come off as kind of obnoxious and cocky in the beginning so he's doing that <laughs> he's so, so
0: let's see if he changes
1: <laughs> he's
0: definitely supposed yeah. to come off as obnoxious and cocky that's for sure
1: yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, like, some of the actor choices I don't love. I like Naomi, I like Avasarla, who's in it from day one. Oh, really? Um, Interesting. hmm Yes. So that's a perk. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> that, that's a reason to watch this series.
1: <laughs> I like Alex. Alex is good. I feel like Amos... I, did Amos have, like, a authority problem with Holden in the first book? No. I Yeah, they make that a whole thing in the show, and I was like, I don't like this.
0: No, the whole thing is they had to
1: add conflict.
0: Is Amos like is willing to follow Holden because Amos doesn't feel as though he has morals and he decides that if Holden thinks it's a good idea, it's probably a good idea.
1: Well, so what they do with Amos in the show is they have him, like, super loyal to Naomi. And he'll he'll go where Naomi leads. But um I mean that is true. He does not care for Holden in the beginning of the show. But hopefully that'll go away eventually. But yeah, it's pretty good. I, I like it. I like a lot of the I like a lot of the depictions, you know?
0: Good. Well, one of these days i will get around to watching it.
1: I would recommend it. I would, I would get on it. It's on Amazon, so it's easy to watch. You two listeners. If you like the books. <laughs> yeah, the show's pretty good so far. All right. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. All right. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any other main points we haven't hit. We haven't really talked about Bobby. She's amazing and I love her.
0: Yeah, Maybe I thought no it was, thought she... I have to say about that. Yeah, I mean, she's, she's just great. She's, She's great. She's, she's very great straightforward. Um, yeah, which I think is fun. I like that she is kind of plays foil to Amos.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. She's she is to Avatarsara as Amos is to Holden.
0: I think that she. It's great that she's like super clearly super badass, but it's also like chill. <laughs> like,
1: and she's smart. Yes. she's not like a grunt really. which no, I mean what that is usually are.
0: we ran us. That. Yeah, exactly. The betrayal is always like brainless grunt. But if you look at, like, her interactions with Soren, and her catching Soren.
1: Yeah, she's savvy.
0: I mean, yeah, she's not an idiot. She's just a big, muscular person, and people tend to make that assumption that they're stupid. Yeah. But
1: Yeah, definitely. And I, mean, I also yeah. appreciated her struggle of, like, I love Mars, I'm loyal to my homeland, but this happened to my 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 brothers-in-arms, and I feel like I need to get vengeance and justice for them. And I think I have to work with this woman from Earth, even though she's, like, high up in the Earth government, and now I work for Earth. Like, it's an interesting conflict, the journey she has to go through to sort of find her peace.
0: I really love that. And I love her last message to her dad. Right before they—I think that's right before they land on Io. Yeah. But she's like, look, you're going to see some things about me. Uh, Not all of them will be flattering. But, like, I'm doing this... I want to be very clear. I'm doing this because I love Mars and because this is the best way to protect it.
1: Yeah. I think it's really great. I think it's great that she did that, you know?
0: I think it's very... I think I really like it, and it's a very nice emotional moment for her.
1: Yeah. Just every time they mention her dad, my little heart.
0: (laughs) Your your (laughs) little heart.
1: When she's talking about... um, When she got admitted to, like, the Special Academy or whatever and yeah I like, you're, one of, you're one of the greats now baby i got like goosebumps i got choked up for her i was like that's so cool
0: yeah she's like are i called one of him the greats bobby she's like i called him and i screamed and then i told him why i was screaming then he screamed even longer <laughs>
1: yeah
0: like this is a it's a beautiful
1: moment I, yeah i love it i love her it's great um,
0: speaking of bobby what did you think about their her, their portrayal of her struggle with ptsd
1: I felt like maybe they sort of didn't get into it enough. You know, it was, sort of, it was sort of shallow. It was like they got into it a little bit when she was with that um, counselor on mm-hmm. the Martian ship. And months. I don't really feel like they made it play a big role until she was like back out in the field. I mean, I liked when um, she had the conversation with Avasarla... Where Avatarsaril is like, just as I'll never save enough people to bring my son back, you're never going to kill enough people to bring your your squad back, and like, that sort of was more of a representation to me that like, Bobby is becoming sort of consumed by like almost this violence that she feels is like righteous, but sort of isn't. Um. But I don't know. I don't feel like they they. I didn't find it particularly convincing, to be honest.
0: What did you think about it? What do you mean particularly convincing? Like, that she had PTSD?
1: I believe that she would have PTSD. I just feel like they didn't really make it... It, it was, like, there when it was part of the story, but also not there the rest of the time. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't I'm, feel it under the surface when they weren't talking about
0: it. I mean, it, it definitely wasn't sense. a book about Bobby Bobby's struggle with PTSD.
1: Yeah, it was not that. That's true. Uh,
0: but I, I liked when they brought it up when it, like, it was a fairly, like, a real situation. My, I, I think kind of... Do you mean, of, like,
1: when she was about to go down to Aya?
0: I think then, I think... When she was,
1: like, semi-suicidal?
0: Well, when she was, like, freaked out about getting back in her suit again. Yeah. Like, the last time she was in that suit, her entire squad died. Everyone she knew on that planet died.
1: Yeah. But it's an interesting relationship with the suit because she also, like, loves it and needs it to feel strong. I mean, she feels strong the rest of the time. That's not a that's not true. But, like, she To feel feels... like she can
0: go toe-to-toe with a super soldier.
1: Yes. Yeah. To... Yeah, exactly. She and can handle humans in any state, but, like, in order to handle that threat, she needs her suit.
0: Yeah. And she also has a certain relationship with the suit because it was the first one that fit her correctly.
1: Yeah.
0: That's a... That was kind of a touching thing in the game where she was like, yeah, I can never find suits that fix, fit me, and so I'm just going to stick with this one until it breaks.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, nice. I feel like a lot
0: of people have had that relationship with, like, a good pair of jeans.
1: Yeah, like, any, <laughs> like, or a piece of equipment, like, yeah really like, I've never, I
0: I've never, been able to, or, like, but I think especially clothing, because it's like, if you can ever find something that fits you right, like, anyone yeah. with any kind of very, any body type that varies at all from, like, norms.
1: Like, yeah, that's you know, totally true.
0: And they just can't find anything fit. It's like, um, uh, it's like Marie when she can't find, like, pants that fit her well that are skinny and really long. Yeah. But that like, aren't sk- straight yeah. up skinny jeans. That's true. <laughs> and she hates it. Tidal t- t- problems. She gets very excited when she finds things that, like, fit perfectly. Yeah. Um, but I just think it's funny that that's that, except, like, military hardware. That is funny. Um, but one of the parts I really liked about Bobby and her kind of dealing with her own emotional demons is when she came back and I, saw her, I was like, so are you mad? <laughs> like,
1: are you mad? You said,
0: yeah, are you? She's like, are you pissed? You came back, <laughs> like you lived, you weren't supposed to do that, huh?
1: Oh yeah.
0: And I was like, yeah. And I, saw her, I was like, straight up to ask her, like, look, are you going to try to kill yourself again? Like, yeah this gonna be
1: the friend we all need
0: really though it's like the no bullshit will call you out on your shit friend
1: sees what you're thinking calls you out on it says you're being stupid when you're being stupid
0: yeah she really is the friend we need
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah no that's that's a good point that is also a really nice moment okay so I, i think it's nice i feel like we do sort of see bobby through the worst of it like she has some closure. She has her confidence back because she killed one of the one of the super soldiers.
0: Yeah, now um, she's headed back to Mars to fuck her per, um, her brother's bachelor party.
1: Yeah. Oh, Bobby.
0: Like Bobby's got a, a, a direction.
1: Yeah, and it's like a happy direction. It's not a constant struggle.
0: It's not so like, this. Yeah,
1: she'll have to figure out what she's doing with the rest of her life, but we're all doing that all the time. So. And it's not her
0: urge to go hunt down this enemy because they killed her squad or some sort of. His revenge story. No, it's she wants to go mess with her brother. What yeah, the fuck's more I mean wholesome than that? She
1: did what that? she needed to do, and that's over now.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, so we're running out of time. I think we should run through things we liked real quick that like we didn't really get time to talk about.
1: Okay. Uh, so one thing I wanted to talk about is the sort of difference in philosophy and propaganda of Earth versus Mars. Okay. I I really I don't feel like this was played with at all in the first book. Uh, that I can recall, but the idea of Mars, like, thinking of themselves as, you know, the explorers and, like, our entire, like, world, our entire planet is working together towards this one goal of terraforming it. Like, we're driven, we're collaborative, we are frontiersmen, basically, like, high-tech frontiersmen. I'm like, yeah, I kind of want to be a Martian. (laughs) It's pretty awesome. No, that was really great. Versus Earth, who has, like, well, we're the cradle of humanity, and I thought all the stuff about basic income was really interesting. That, like, literally, you have to prove that you like working in order to be allowed to go to college because so few jobs <laughs> exist on earth anymore.
0: I'm not sure I find it kind that. of
1: depressing.
0: I don't think it was few jobs, I think that I think you misunderstood what happened. I think it was definitely they didn't <clears throat> want to waste their resources on sending someone to college because college was paid for
1: yeah uh yeah maybe that's what it was i, I mean, think it's
0: probably more so that
1: it it sort of seems like there's way more people on earth than there are jobs which is probably why they started doing the universal basic income but yes. um but like i think there's no yeah, for yeah I guess there, there's I enough there's enough jobs for everyone who wants one i guess yeah
0: i i think there's a bit of, we could have had a very good argument about this but again time
1: but time, yeah. So that was one thing I really liked. What about you?
0: Um, I liked the conversation or between Arjun and Avasarla about Avasarla's mask.
1: Yes. And just Arjun in general. Like, claps Wonderful. for him. He's amazing.
0: Wonderful man. And I liked... Beautiful this, marriage. Yeah, beautiful marriage. Like, it's so it's so wholesome.
1: It's very wholesome. I'm glad Avasarla has that in her life, because she has to be such a cool bitch all the time. <laughs>
0: right, exactly. Um,
1: and the grandchildren.
0: Like, yeah, but yes, I,
1: her, her political mask.
0: Yes, I did like that. Related to that, I loved her idea of the game, and I liked seeing her dissuaded from it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It is It is very interesting. The politicking I found very interesting, and her representation of all of it. And mm. it was sort of satisfying to watch somebody play the game well. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Cece, yes. um, do you remember, what was it called, Tech? Talk? No, Talk. In the King Killer Chronicles.
1: I don't think I do remember Talk in the King Killer Chronicles. When
0: Kvoth. No, it's a game. When Kvoth went oh. to.
1: um
0: The Mayor Alvaron's court. I can't believe yeah. I remember that many names. Um, Seriously. And he plays the game with Brandon.
1: Okay, I sort of remember.
0: And Brandon's always talking about playing a beautiful game yeah i thought about that a lot here
1: because yeah, it's, it's not all
0: about it's not moving quickly it's not moving slowly it's moving at the right time with the right amount of force
1: well i really liked the um the analogy she made about yarn or because i've also been very into crocheting for like the last six months and so it really it spoke to me <laughs> it struck home <laughs> it made, made you think lover. that you yeah. could politic Yes, exactly. But where she was talking about, like, you have this, you know, you've gotten to this point where it's all just, like, a tangled mess, and, like, you just slowly, gently, patiently pull a little bit here, pull a little bit there, and you, like, slowly, slowly loosen up the knot until it, like, all comes apart in your hands. I thought that was a very beautifully put scene where she was taking apart Nguyen's plan. Yes,
0: that's true. I loved whenever she was, like all right it's time to act and then all of a sudden she was in overdrive threatening cajoling like bribing yeah it was great
1: <laughs> she's like all right we're doing this she's, she's like thinking, thinking thinking and then she decides and she goes for it and yeah she like, cracks her
0: knuckles hits the terminal and gets going
1: <laughs> yeah basically
0: all right so i think that about uh wraps us up
1: yeah i think so it was a great book and, yeah, I uh, look forward to continuing the series.
0: Definitely one of my favorite books. Yeah. Um, I think at this point I can't say favorite books. I have to say favorite series. Like,
1: yeah, that's probably smart. <laughs> like,
0: the Endless Games series is one of my favorite series. And two of the books in there are some of my favorite. No, three. Three of the books in there are some of my favorite books. <laughs> um, but it's just, you know, where we are.
1: Yes.
0: All right. Uh, Cece. All right,
1: Peter. It's, Would you it's like to hear what our time. next book is? Yeah, I do want to hear what our next book is.
0: Alright. We're gonna be super not spooky. It's just <laughs> I brought the I bring this book up all the time and we just have to do it. Oh yes. Uh so it's gonna be the Terran Privateer, book yes. one of the Duchy of Terra series.
1: Terran Privateer. I am psyched. You have um, talked about this a lot, and I have like never really looked into
0: it. It is by Glenn Stewart. It has got a four point three on Goodreads.
1: That's pretty good. Yeah,
0: it's not it's bad. Solid. I mean, it's one. So I'll say this, readers: it's very far from the, like, Leviathan Wakes of the sci-fi universe. Okay. But um, I think it's a different take than we usually get. It's closer to Star Wars than, like, that than probably most of what we've done.
1: So it's a space opera.
0: Um, I don't think it quite deserves that name. <laughs>
1: Would you compare it to the Wayfarer series?
0: I've never read the Wayfarer series.
1: Yes, you have. It's, um... Have we? A Which? Long Way to a Small Angry Planet.
0: Oh, is that what that series is called?
1: Pretty sure. 90% sure. Now I'm doubting myself. <laughs> Let um, me look into this real quick. Would you I compare think, it to that?
0: I think it's definitely closer to that, yeah. Cool, I love um, that. <laughs> but it's got a little more science in it. Not, like, a lot more, but enough to make you... Enough to, like, make some, ask you some interesting questions. Anyway, cool. I'm yeah, excited. I, i thoroughly enjoyed this book i've read it so many times i'm gonna read it again
1: yay <laughs> um
0: and it's like really crushable so we'll be able to awesome. do that easily in three weeks
1: okay good choice because yeah we are behind really t- two weeks really uh actually no three weeks yeah anyway um yeah so on that note
0: october 7th is when that book is coming out that episode's coming yeah. out. yeah for sure this
1: awesome time. i'm excited all right me too Peter, where can our listeners find us?
0: Um, they can find us by going to facebook.com forward slash sci fi sidebar. They can email us at signifyingnothingnetwork at gmail.com. Uh, how else can they find us? What's the Twitter can handle?
1: tweet at us at signothingnet on Twitter. And uh, yeah, I think that's all of it.
0: We're not very, <laughs> you know, we're pretty easy to find, but there's only a few places. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah so any of those any of those forums if you guys have suggestions questions comments critiques concerns etc please fascinating bird
0: channel. trivia huh it's <laughs> <laughs> something my boss says at the end of the meetings fascinating bird fascinating trivia, bird
1: trivia. <laughs> yes anyway. exactly so thank you for your patience as always we love you guys thank you for listening and we'll talk to you soon yep talk see you in a few seven. weeks
0: this <laughs> has been sci-fi like... sidebar from the signifying nothing network
1: a tale told by idiots
0: alright guys (laughs) see you in a few weeks